I was pretty impressed that Alex came up with two songs, God of Wonders and this one that referenced outer space, <laughs> without even going to David Bowie or Pink Floyd. So I, I thought that was pretty good. Let's turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. As we continue our study through this book of Ephesians, and over the last couple weeks we were zeroing in on this section on spiritual warfare. It's, it's worth slowing down for because it's a, it's a critical thing for us to have a handle on as Christians. The fact is, as Paul teaches us, we are at war. Whether we like it or not, whether we recognize it or not, we are. We're doing battle every day of our lives as Christians. We have an enemy. And so he, he began a couple weeks ago, we saw where he emphasized this fact and then said, you don't battle against flesh and blood. Your battle isn't with people. But it's against those principalities and powers, the devil and his angels, those demonic forces that are trying to tear you down, rip you off, basically lying to you to get you to live your life as a lie instead of living in the truth. And Paul says it's important that we would arm ourselves, prepare ourselves, put on the whole armor of God so that we can do battle in this spiritual realm that we're called to do battle in, that we're doing battle in whether we like it or not. And then last week we saw he, he started it off by saying, you need to hold the whole thing together with truth. You need to ask yourself that question, will I deal with the truth? Do I really, am I ready to accept reality and do battle in that realm rather than to continue to believe the little fantasies that the enemy throws out there to get us to believe things that aren't true? And do I want to do what's right? Do I want to put on that that breastplate of righteousness. If God shows me what's right, am I willing to do what's right? And so answering those two questions get us off on this path of warfare. And now this morning we continue in verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 6. He says, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now in those days, and he's using the image of a Roman soldier, you wouldn't think of going to battle without having your shoes on. Your shoes for them were, were well, the, the shoes that a soldier wore were interesting. They had a thick layer of leather on the bottom of your foot, and they strapped straps around your feet and up your legs. But on the bottom of those sandals were these little strong cups that would help they were almost like cleats where they would help you to dig in and to get traction to stand strong to be able to change directions quickly if you needed to they were pretty handy almost an athletic shoe they were also thick enough because in those days in areas of warfare <coughs> they would put spikes in boards bury them in the ground so that the spikes would just barely show through the dirt, and people who were wearing thin sandals or people who were barefoot would step on these spikes It would grab into your feet and you lose all interest in fighting a war and generally would get infected and you were taken off the battlefield completely. So for a soldier in those days, to wear their shoes was an important 
thing to do, definitely. And it, it speaks of readiness. It speaks of, of mobility. It speaks of flexibility. All of these things revolved around it. But as he describes these shoes that we are to wear, <coughs> he, he says that it involves the gospel of peace. Now, I think we kind of know what the gospel is, but a lot of times we don't recognize how important the gospel is. For most people, the gospel is, okay, it's the stuff you need to believe in order to become a Christian and have your sins forgiven. And that's definitely true, and that's where it all starts. The gospel was so important to Paul, though, he said, that's all I preach. And Paul said, the gospel is the power of God. It's not just a way to give out tickets to heaven, although it is that. It goes so much beyond that. And it's important, if we're going to do battle, for us to have the gospel be the center of everything that we are, of everything that we do, that we need to have a firm grip on it. First of all, what is the gospel? The gospel is basically, the, well, the word gospel just means good news, and, or good message, literally. And it's that work of Jesus Christ whereby he came and became a man, and he lived a perfect life, and he died on the cross. And when he died on the cross, he took our sins on himself. It was prophesied way back in Isaiah 53, the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. But that's called the substitutionary atonement in theological terms. It's the idea that Jesus died bearing our sins. The fact that we sin dooms us from ever knowing God, from ever experiencing eternal life. But the good news is what we can't do for ourselves, he did for us in dying for us. And then he rose again in order to declare that his death really worked. That then the good news is the price has been paid. And this, it's good news because it's free. If the gospel was a great piece of news, but you had to be good in order to get it, you'd be in trouble already. The good news is he did everything that needs to be done for us to know God. And it's free. He's giving away eternal life to people who will just put their faith in him. Now, for every one of us who call ourselves Christians, we know there was a time, there was a place where at some point, and maybe for some of us it was a progressive sort of revelation, but at some point we decided that we would believe that good news. We decided that that has to do with me. Jesus Christ died for my sins, according to the Scriptures. Buried, rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. And now as a result, he says, because I live, you will live also. He will give me that life if I trust in him. And so I decide to trust in him. I decide to, to give my life to him. And now the gospel means that I'm saved for eternity. That I have everything that I need in order to be able to know God. Now, every one of us who are Christians understands that aspect of the gospel. Can't really become a Christian if you don't get that part, if you don't buy into that. If you go, I don't know, that sounds too far-fetched. Okay, that's fine, but you're just not a Christian if you don't believe that, because that's the very center of the Christian gospel. Now, for a lot of people, though, then we're done with that. 
So often we kind of think, I don't want to hear the gospel again. I mean, like the Harvest Crusade's coming up in August, and Greg Laurie's just going to get up there and preach the gospel. And I've heard it before. I'm already saved. I don't want to listen to, you know, the milk of the word. I, you know, t- invite me to a prophecy conference. That's what I want. I don't, I don't need to hear the gospel anymore. But see, the truth is, it's the gospel that means everything to every step of our lives. You don't ever get over the gospel. You don't get past it. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. See, the gospel didn't stop working in my life when I became a Christian. That was just the beginning. Every day the gospel speaks to me. Every day the reason why I can continue in life is because of that good news. Because if the gospel was only that Jesus died for all the things I did in my B.C. days, well, okay, now you got it. But what are you going to do about all the stuff you've done since? We all like to talk about how, yeah, man, we came to Jesus and we really changed. Well, are you perfect? Some of you might think you are. But the truth is you got a major problem with sin that you have to deal with on a daily basis. And so I need to every day come to him and agree with him that my sin is actually sin, that I have failed, that I've come short of the glory of God hey, I need the gospel again and again and again. It also becomes the motivation for the change that happens in my life. Have you ever noticed that you never really change on the basis of condemnation? Oh, there are people who really want to make you feel bad for what you've done. And they'll tell you, you know, how awful you are and how bad you ought to feel. And, and, and they'll lay that trip on you. But I've never yet seen anyone, after being torn down with condemnation, go, you know what? You just changed my life. Now I'm, because of you, now my life is going to be completely different. It's why it's so senseless to get up to pe- in front of people and to just harp on their sins all the time, to go down the list of all the ways in which we've all come short of God's glory. And, and then at the end of the time, we'd go, okay, did I get everyone? Is anyone still feeling pretty good? And somebody who was sleeping, you know, raises their hand and go, okay, you, you're ugly, okay? Now, <laughs> is everyone done? <laughs> but what do you do? You go, oh, I feel awful. I got beat up today. But does that change you? It doesn't at all. The only thing that changes you, and and the appeal from the scriptures is always, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you'd present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I'm telling you, on the basis of what he's done for you, on the basis of the love that he has for you, on the basis of the fact that you've been forgiven and set free, that's the motivating factor. That's what changes our lives. And when we start to think of the gospel as just something for non-Christians, oh man, I, when I, first of all, when I see people responding to the gospel for the first time, when I, every year, sometimes, I mean, and you know, a lot of times at these big crusades and stuff, it's not my style. It's a little, I see things that are a bit uncomfortable for me and I look at it and I go, oh boy, here we go again. And then, I see people streaming down on the field, tears in their eyes, 
giving their lives to Jesus Christ, I'm knowing that there are people in this stadium whose lives are going to change for eternity because of what happened. And all of a sudden, the hassle of paying for parking or the hassle of trying to get in or the, you know, the music that you don't like or the hype and the, the offering, and none of that even matters anymore because you're going, look what the gospel is doing in people's lives. And also for me, I'm like, I'm amazed there's no message that ministers to me like a gospel message where the gospel is preached because that's what I live by. That's, that's my bread and butter. That's all of our bread and butter. That feeds us more than anything else. We cannot afford to get beyond the gospel. We can't afford to think that the gospel is for other people and not for us. It's good news for all of us and will continue to be good news for us. And I'm convinced that we will hear the gospel for all of eternity in heaven. We'll be talking about it, this gift that God gave us of eternal life through Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. But now, in here, Paul calls it the gospel of peace. And you can understand why it's called the good news of peace, because first of all, the good news is what puts us at peace with God. Until I respond to the gospel, there's a wall between me and God. I can't know him. I can try to know him, but as I'm trying to find God, I'm going to find all kinds of other goofy stuff. As I'm trying to connect with God, I'm going to find myself being sucked into connected with all kinds of shysters and weirdos who are pretending to represent God, but there's something missing. And then the message comes, hey, it's free. It's already done. It is finished. Tetelestai, he's given it to you. And he's forgiven your sins. And now everybody who's been telling you how bad you are, everybody who's been trying to make you feel guilty for things that you're doing, they have no power over you anymore. The lies of the enemy that make you feel like, you know, God couldn't love you. You're a mess. You know, your, your life is full of sin. You're goofing up here. You're goofing up there. The gospel wipes that out. See, that never makes you better. The law never makes you a better person. It only rips you down. When people are just telling you what a loser you are, you just start to act like a loser. That's how it works. But when, when the Lord comes and says, I love you, and I've proven it, and you're covered, all of a sudden you realize God's saying, if you want peace with me, I've paid for it, you just have to receive it. And there's that peace with God that's so important as the gospel is preached. But there's also a real experience of peace within our own hearts. Because until we really understand the gospel. There's turmoil within us. We're, we're struggling. Things just aren't right. Life doesn't feel right. But the fruit of the Spirit comes in, love, joy, and peace. And all of a sudden, the gospel that gave us salvation is also the gospel that causes me to be able to sleep at night. It's the gospel that allows me to not strive anymore. It's, the, it's that good news that I can relax. I can be at peace. There's not, it's not depending on me. I don't have to make it happen. I don't have to be a certain thing. I don't have to please anyone but God. And he is pleased by my just putting my faith in him. And so there's that peace that comes in. And then you go, it's a gospel of peace. It's good news of peace. But also, the gospel is something that will help you to find peace with others as well. 
The world is just full of war, people who are closest to each other, battling against each other, the strife and struggles that exist within human relationships and with marriages and in it, between countries and in every other way. And see, the gospel changes all of that. Everything that we've been fighting about, it's irrelevant when you look at the gospel. You know, because what you do that bugs me and that irritates me and that makes me mad, I'm forced to face the reality that Jesus died for it. And he says, if I've forgiven, then how come you can't? And that's something that you have to recognize about me as well. But when we understand the gospel, all of a sudden we're able to be connected to other people in a way that we never could otherwise. Now, you can ignore the gospel and you can create strife and turmoil wherever you go. But a good indication of whether or not you really get the gospel is how many people are you at odds with? Or how many friends do you have? Are you getting along with other people? If you are, it's because of grace. It's because of the gospel. It's because of the good news. If you aren't, then somehow you got to get a hold of what this message of the gospel really means. It's a gospel of peace. It's a gospel that puts us at peace with God, at peace within ourselves, at peace with others as well. So the gospel is just, you can understand why Paul thought it was so important. You can understand why this is the application of life. If you're going to do battle, and the whole point of the battle, as we saw a couple of weeks ago and last week also, is he wants you to stand. He doesn't want you to keep getting knocked down. He wants you to be able to stand and to, and to be victorious in living your life. Well, now you stand on your feet. The shoes are what enable you to do that. They give you that stability. They give you that traction. They give you that flexibility. They give you that mobility. If you have your shoes on, just like a soldier, when he's in a, a, an area of warfare, he's got to be ready to go. And often, and those of you who have been in the service know what it's like to sleep with your boots on. Because you may not have time when all of a sudden bam, there's a bunch of action to find your boots and, oh, where are the socks? Where are my clean socks? And, you know, get your boots on and get them laced up and to do all of that. And so if you really want to be ready, sometimes you just keep them on so that you're ready to roll. But spiritually, it's talking to us and saying, you better be ready to move. You better be ready to walk. You better take what you believe and actually apply it in a way that governs your walk, that governs your life, that tells you how to live. So the question for all of us who are in this battle, who are in this warfare is, are you ready for it? What are you doing? Because the key word of the verse here, probably even more than gospel, is that word preparation. Notice he says, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Getting it ready, being prepared. The Boy Scout motto, prepared for the gospel. Ready, armed, equipped, ready to roll, flexible. You know, because see, it's not enough to say, okay, I know the gospel, and so I'm ready. Because for one thing, well, when Jesus told the parable of the sower and the and the seed, 
the different soils that were there. A lot of times seeds are sown in a place where the soil hasn't been prepared. And so if it's rocky soil, it can sprout up but get blown away. If it's a place of thorns, thorns can choke it out. If it's sown just on hard ground, nothing happens. The birds just take it away. But if seed is sown on good ground, ground that's been prepared, it sprouts up and bears fruit. So if we want to live by the gospel, our hearts need to be prepared. We need to be getting ourselves ready for a work of God. So before we read the Bible, we need to get ourselves prepared. When we come to church and before a study and during worship, it needs to be a time of preparing our hearts for the gospel. Because many of us, if we're honest, we think the gospel, yawn. You know, yeah, I've heard it. This is, there's not going to be anything new here today. But the gospel is everything. It's a huge part of this battle. And therefore, we need the preparation that's involved. But also, other people need to be prepared too. The way we live our lives prepares people to hear the gospel that can, that can save them. All the people that come to the Harvest Crusade, it's not enough for, you know, you round up a bunch of them and you force them to go or you pay them to go or you push them into the stadium and go, okay, here. Okay, Greg, do it. Cram them full of gospel and they'll get saved. Most of the people who get saved at Harvest Crusades, the people who brought them have been praying for them, sometimes for a long time. They've also been sharing with them what God's been doing in their life. They they see it, it's, it's not just a cold calling, here you go. There's preparation that's involved. And God wants to use all of us to prepare the soil in people's lives to hear the gospel. And, and a lot of that preparation is just being a nice person even. You know, that, that somebody knows that you're a Christian and you care about them, as opposed to, I mean, there's a way that you can harden the soil because people know you're a Christian you know, they see your Christian bumper sticker as you cut them off on the road, and they're like, yep, that's what Christians are like. That doesn't prepare the soil for the gospel. That compacts the soil. It hardens it. It gives people an excuse to be against Jesus and everything that he teaches and everything that he says. And, and it, it's also not just about force-feeding everybody that you meet. Sometimes it's just about preparation for the gospel, by being kind to somebody and just let them know it's from Jesus, by, by caring about people and then they find out that you're a Christian and they want to maybe hear more. But also preparation for the gospel, a part of it is preparing you to share the gospel. And so do you know how to tell somebody how to get saved? If somebody, if somebody says to you, my life is a complete mess, I, I, I feel like I don't even want to live anymore. I'm so depressed, I'm so miserable, I've tried everything, life just stinks, and I've had it with life. And they tell you that, what's your reaction? Is it like, oh shoot, harvest is over a month away. I'm afraid they're going to be dead before harvest. Or why didn't I bring a business card from the church so that they can call, you ought to talk to my pastor, he has some. No, how about being ready for that moment yourself? You know how to get saved if you're saved. Don't be afraid of saying the wrong things. Don't be afraid of like, if I start to tell them about Jesus, then they're going to ask me about evolution. 
change the subject back to Jesus. The gospel isn't evolution. The gospel is Jesus and what he did. Are we ready? I mean, do we listen carefully enough that we know how to take a message and, and just share it with someone? How hard is it to tell people how to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's the way Paul told the Philippian jailer. How about John 3.16? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. Can you do that? Can you learn the four spiritual laws or the Roman road or something? Listen, you don't have anything more important to say in life to anyone than God loves you, Jesus died for you, you can enter into fellowship with him. There's nothing else that you ever say that's going to be more important than that. That is your calling, soldiers. That is what we are called to do. And as we're arming ourselves, we need to understand that preparing for the gospel, being a part of distributing the gospel, taking that message and communicating it with others, there's nothing more important to do than that. And that's what we're called to do, and that's what we have to do. And it's not just about the people right around you. If everyone just shared with their neighbors, then a lot of people would get saved, but 80% of the world would never hear about Jesus. And so it's important that somebody goes out, and the Bible says, how are they going to hear unless somebody tells them? Is there a preacher? And how are they going to preach unless somebody sends somebody to preach to them? And so people have opportunities to go. Right now, we just sent a team out this week that they're over in Hong Kong, and they're going to be sharing the gospel. That's what they're there for. They're going to teach English to kids and tell them about Jesus. And last week, we, we prayed for them and sent them off. And it's so exciting that people have a chance to do that. But how many of us are even praying for these people while they're over there? How many of us were praying this last week for the VBS teachers who would be sharing the gospel with these kids in our church and the kids who come? Do we even, I, I remember when we first talked about this trip to Hong Kong, a whole bunch of people signed up, like 40 or 50 people signed up and said they were interested. Now, I'm not trying to lay a trip on anybody. If it didn't work out for you to go, don't feel bad about it. But why is it that so many people would say, I'd love to go, but so many of us weren't able to go for one reason or another? Partly, we weren't prepared. Partly, we didn't have our lives in such, a, in such an order that we'd be able to do it. You know, for some people, maybe it was like, well, I couldn't, I couldn't afford it. I didn't have the money to be able to do it. Well, the preparation of the gospel of peace, a part of that is using good habits with your finances so that there's always some space, so that there's some money set aside and available, so that you have an account that's like there in case the trumpet goes and now somebody could go, you're ready to go. A part of the preparation might be hanging on to some of your vacation days in case a need arises or an opportunity comes up so that you can do it. I mean, there are all sorts of things we can do to get ourselves ready. And a lot of them are some of the healthiest things we could ever do for ourselves. That is creating some space in our lives. 
so that we don't fill, jam every second. Hey, everything that you've jammed your life completely full of, none of it's as important as people hearing the gospel. None of it's as important as eternity. And so what are we willing to do to make that happen? What are we willing to do to participate in that? Now again, it's just as important to help send people as it is to go yourself. But what happens when you start connecting with what God is doing? I mean, our church has a bunch of missionaries that are in different places all over the world. And many of them you know, they're from our church. And if you just start praying for them, maybe you go to a missions prayer meeting or you just get the cards and you pray yourself. All of a sudden you feel connected and then you think, you know, maybe I'll send them an encouraging email. How long does that take? And you do it and they write back and you're like, wow. And then you start thinking, there are other things I could bless them with. Like right now the ladies, some of the ladies are collecting stuff to send to um, Rhoda Pickens in Wales. She just had another baby and so they're, they're putting a baby shower in a box by filling a box with stuff, you know, for Rhoda's baby. Hey, for some of you, it would be really fun. You haven't bought a little baby gift in a long time. And just you get that, and you go, and you're thinking, halfway around the world, there's a family who's planted this new church in Wales, and, and they're telling the gospel to people every day, and I got to encourage them in some way. Preparing the way for the gospel. It's saying the gospel is important enough to me that I want to be a part of it. Someday, maybe the opportunity to do more, to go more, to give more. Many of you, you know, just recently we had a pastor from, from Uganda who was here and he just shared what God's doing in a ministry that we support that puts wells in in villages where They've never heard the gospel before and they go start a church there and they put a well in and now these people have water and they connect it with that well. And some of you gave money so that we were able to send money over so that they could put some more wells in. Now, that's preparation for the gospel, if anything is. You know, these people, they're, they're living in places where they're dominated by false religions. In many of these areas, the the, the Muslims have come in or the Buddhists are there and, and they're spouting their false teachings. But you know what? Those people aren't giving them water. They're not giving them anything. It's so tragic when, whenever I go to, to Cambodia to see these Buddhist priests walking around to these poor, poor people holding out their sacks and collecting money from them. But instead, to be able to have something that's free... Religion isn't free. Religion's a big burden. Who needs that? Who wants that? But to be able to go somewhere and just say, we're giving this to you. No cost to you. We don't need anything from you. We're not going to take up an offering from you. It's just, we're giving this to you in the name of Jesus because God loves you and Jesus died for you. What have you spent your money on this month that's as worthy a cause as that. And, and yet, in order to be able to give to something like that, it means that there's some money that doesn't get spent somewhere else in some other way in order to do it. I'm not going to take up a missions offering right now. This is way more important than that, and it's way bigger than that. The whole point is, the point of your life, 
is the gospel. The reason that you have hope, the reason that you have, can face another day is because of the gospel of peace. And there's nothing that you have that's more important to do than the preparation of the gospel of peace. And that might mean sharing God's love with, with your neighbor. It might mean sharing it with somebody around the world. It might mean that you give a vacation next year up so that instead you can go somewhere and support missionaries and help them, help them do things that will spread the gospel. I guarantee you there's nothing that you do that you would enjoy more than that. And when you do it, it feeds you more than what you do for them. This year I've just been kind of overwhelmed by being asked to do a lot of ministering in other places. And, and it's always exciting, but I hate to be away. I get anxious about that. But coming up in the fall, I'm bombard. I'm going to be, I, I have a chance to go to Cuba, and I have a chance to go to El Salvador, and I have a chance to go to China, and I have a chance to go to Vietnam, all bang, 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 bang in a few months. And I schedule all my trips so that I don't, I'm not away for most Sundays. But it's, I could look at it and go, Oh man, I hate travel. Sitting in those coach seats all crunched up. They didn't make them for people my size. They don't even feed you. They aren't even nice to you anymore on airplanes. <laughs> and, and it's like, I could look at it that way and think of what I'm missing. Or I can go, this is a chance for me to encourage and support people who've devoted their lives to spreading the gospel. This is a chance for me to put shoe leather to my faith, to pull on my shoes after I take them off to get on the airplane, and I put them back on, and to go, I've got great news. I have the opportunity to share that which will fix everything that's wrong with everyone that's there. can turn life around. I would never in a million years devote my life to any cause less than that. Oh, there are things that we have to do to pay our bills and things like that. But for me, the major thrust of all of our lives ought to be the preparation of the gospel of peace. We don't have anything more important than that. And that is so simple. And it's so free. And it's so freeing. And we've experienced it ourselves. All we have to do is let other people know, hey, look what God's giving you. Look what he has done for you. And that's worth maybe reading a book about how to share your faith. That's worth going out witnessing with some people and being nervous about it, but just going, yeah, I'm going to try this. I'm going to see how it is. It's worth taking a, a week or two to go on a missions trip or to, to do something so that you're doing something eternal with your life instead of just working and consuming and wasting the time that you have. Today, there's probably nothing more important than you could do than with a half hour of your time than to just stop and take the list of missionaries and pray for our missionaries. That has a powerful impact. It's important. And then if you take it a step further and let them know that you're praying for them, the gospel, that's where our shoe leather, that's where it meets the road ultimately. That's where our life takes a turn whereby now we're able to actually do something productive and meaningful. And it's the preparation of the gospel of peace, and we need to decide. Pull those sandals on, get our shoes on, get some traction to our life, get ready to do something productive. Wherever God sends us, take that free message with you. Take that good news with you. 
Be a part of it. Participate in it. You don't have anything more important than that, and neither do I. And if we are involved in preparing people with the gospel of peace, then our life has found its purpose and meaning above everything else. And you'll end up finding, you can tell, when your life involves the gospel, all of a sudden it feels like life is worth living. Anyone who's ever wondered whether it's worth it to keep living doesn't understand the beauty of the gospel, the good news. That's something you can get plugged into where it really matters, where it really makes a difference. And if you can live your life in such a way that, that you take one person to heaven with you who wouldn't have been there otherwise, maybe it's your kid or your grandkid, maybe it's your neighbor or somebody else, but even one person, that's so worth it. You've, you've fought and you've won. See, because... The lies of Satan cannot compare with the truth of the gospel. And he, he really doesn't even try. Because there isn't anything that's a better deal than the gospel. There's no religious garbage that's better than free. There, there's no message that anyone has that tops grace. And when that message gets out there, it's powerful because it trumps everything. So... Instead of the devil trying to combat the message of the gospel, all he does is he gets people who already know the good news to keep it to themselves or to get busy with other stuff. Because if that message doesn't get out there, it can't do its work. It can't do its job. But you've got the message if you've accepted Jesus Christ. You know the truth. You don't know all the answers to all the questions. So what? You know the answer to the one that matters. And we can be involved, and, and I would challenge you in your life, how many different ways can you be involved in the preparation of the gospel of peace? Through prayer, through giving, through sharing, through encouraging, through smiling at people, doing nice things for them, preparing the way for that gospel bomb to go off, change everything. That's, that's where the rubber meets the road or the leather meets the road in spiritual warfare. It's the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the gospel. Thank you for handing us something so explosive and so powerful that this simple message changes everything and everyone who it touches Lord, we're sorry when we've gotten distracted from the gospel. But help us to get back to just living for that, for tying everything in our lives in with this powerful, free, good message. Open our eyes to ways in which we can prepare ourselves and prepare others for the power of the gospel of peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. If anyone's here today and they've never responded to the gospel, this is a great time to do 